Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. I want us to welcome this morning our dear brother uh, Henry Mata. He's going to come and share the word on this uh, on this great Father's Day. Oh, yes, sir. Thanks a lot, Pastor Doug. And so, <clears throat> first of all, church, um, you know, just to be up here, uh, this is an awesome a privilege, amen. You know, there's uh, been a lot of mighty ministry up here, a lot of mighty men, women, serving God, serving God's people faithfully. And so just to be up here, you know what, it's a very um, humbling experience. And it's also a, a very, very awesome experience. Psalmist writes, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. David writes, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so the Bible goes on to say that David danced before the Lord with all of his might, church. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And so I used to ponder about that. God, what does that mean? God, what does that mean that your son David danced before you? Sorry. Thank you, Pastor. With all of his might. Because that in my finite mind that it's like this, like, I mean, God, that what exactly was your son doing? I mean, that what kind of a dance was it? You know what, that what kind of a jig was this man dancing? I mean, that whatever it was, it was with all of his might. Amen. He served God with all of his might. He loved God with all of his might. And so I have to ask you, church, and then I also have to ask you, everybody watching, Right now that when we sang, uh, sang praise and worship, did you praise and worship God with all of your might? Did you come bringing God your very best? Did you praise and worship God, church, with all of your might? Because God does not hesitate to give us his very best. God doesn't think twice about it. Amen. God's gifts are always his very, very best. And so if God's word holds true, which it always does, then it means that God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. So are we ready for God's presence to dwell among us? Did we come prepared to meet with the living God? Because I could almost guarantee you this, that there's many folks that they're more prepared for what they're going to eat during lunch than they were when it came to God today. And so when we come before God, church, that we have to think and know that there's a seriousness, amen, because that you're not going to get a watered-down gospel this morning, amen. I'm not going to preach to you a gospel light. It tastes great, but less filling, guys. We don't need that today, guys. We need substance. 
We need something. So when Satan comes knocking on our heart's door, we know exactly how to stand. Amen. Amen. Opening verses, church of Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 10 reads like this. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as, um, as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show your wisdom and, and understanding uh, to the nations who will hear about all of these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is as great as to have their gods near them the, the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to them. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, what he said to me. Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Judges, amen, 2, 7 through 10. And then it says that the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for them. Praise God. So, the, so that, that group of people did very well. Joshua's son and none, the servant of the Lord, died at, at the age of 110, and they, they buried him that in the land of his inheritance at, at uh, Timnath Heres in the hill country of, of um, Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that, the whole nation, excuse me, after that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Once again, guys, after that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So in a layman's terms, church, maybe that we could say like this. Forty years ago, pastor brother answered the call of God. Amen. Started a church where we sit today, Cavalry Temple. And so that while pastor brothers was alive and that generation among him, they served the Lord. But could it be said of us here at CT that another generation arises? Fathers, men, and women of God that knew not God nor the things of God. Can that happen today, church? Can that? Because if we look at America, I'm almost sure that we would be shocked, wouldn't we? To see a lot of churches that are practically just monuments of what they used to be. Shame on us then, church. Shame on us. May it never be said that there's a generation here at CT Church that neither knew God nor the things of him.
And let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord God. Father, seeking your face and seeking your favor. Father God, seeking your Holy Ghost. And above all else, we desperately need your presence. Father God, I pray that you will anoint every word out of my mouth. Father, I come before you, Lord God, as a needy man who desperately needs you. And to speak to a people, Lord God, who need you, a God for today. They don't need the blessings of yesterday, Lord God. They need your presence today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the story goes like this, church, there's this group of fathers, and so it's going to be a men's day out, and it's going to be an awesome fishing trip, amen, and so it's going to be in this great big lake, and then in the middle of the lake, there's this big old pile of rocks, and so they're going to have to fly in because that's the best fishing spot, and then it's also winter, and then another added thing is there's a father there that's going to take his son and show him what it's like to go and be a man, to go out Church, you know what, to go in and be among the men, live like a man, laugh like a man, go in and just relax like a man. And so they fly the plane, and so they go and land next to this pile of rocks, and they all go and get out, and you know what, everything's awesome, everything's grand. They got all their stuff out, they're out there fishing, so many hours, everybody's having a good time, father and son time. You know what, I love days like that, church, when things just seem to be going Everything's going well. And so as they're going to begin to leave, you know what? Man, everybody's happy. Everybody's had a real good time. And so as the um, plane, uh, plane begins, he starts to go around a little bit. He starts to go and accelerate. And as soon as he starts to go and take off, that's when they start to notice that there's something wrong. And so when the plane landed, one of the pontoons landed next to this real sharp rock. And they didn't know it, and so for all of those hours, water is seeping into one of the pontoons. And so, um, honestly, I don't know that much about, um, about, like, flying or about, like, stuff like that, but I know that there has to be perfect balance that when you're in the air. Amen? That there has to be a balance. So as uh, they go and begin to get up, and as uh, there's an off balance to that weight, suddenly we see that the plane goes down in the water. And so where the plane lands, it's a lot closer to the shore than it is to that pile of rocks. But I mean that there's still a good distance. And so you know what takes place, guys, every man for himself. All the fathers and the son get out and they start swimming. And so it's the winter time and they're fully dressed. They got their boots. They got the winter clothes on. Everybody's swimming hard. And as the father begins to look up, he could see the shoreline. He's not that far away. When suddenly he starts to realize, where's my son? Where's my son? And as he looks back, he sees a group of men starting to go and pass him up. And then his son is way back there. Young man, he's not that strong, guys. You know, he's scared. The water's cold. He's got this full weight on him, his boots. And so the father has a decision to make. Father knows, you know what, that I got enough in me to make it to the shore, but I don't know if I have enough in me to go out to my son and, and to also bring him in. And so just as any loving good father would do, he makes the right decision. He goes back for his son. And they both swim in together. And they both drown together. And so the writer of the story goes on to say that there's many men that will die for their families. 
They don't mind dying because a lot of times death is minutes, moments, seconds. It's almost in an instant. But not many men will live for their family. And so he goes on to say, because when you live for somebody, he says that that takes a lifetime. Amen. Fathers, it's just like, it's just like our own family. That from the time they're born, you know what, that, I mean, that's our job. It's our job till either we go or until they go. And so uh, whenever I say fathers, I'm speaking about a variety of fathers, amen. You know, uh, we have a biological fathers. We have single fathers. We got fathers that have adopted, fostered, fathers that mentor, raise up men, spiritual fathers. Fathers that have birthed people into God's kingdom. And so that's who I'm referring to, a man that does the work and that has the heart of a father. And so in this uh, little bitty country town, guys, uh, there's this card, card company, and so it's going to be Mother's Day, and, they, and they've got this awesome idea. You know what? Uh, there's this men's, men's facility, and so it's at the end of town, and so, um, um, and so that it's a men's prison. And they're like, you know what? Why don't we go out and just donate a few hundred Mother's Day cards? I mean, I mean we're not going to send all of these anyways. I don't even know that if the men will go in and get them. Let's just see what might happen. And so they go and call the warden. You know what? The warden's down with it. Amen. And they go and send it. And then a few days later, then that same warden calls them back. Says, man, that you're not going to go and believe it, guys. And they're like, oh, what? They didn't want nothing. They're like, no, that's not it at all. That they took all of, the, um, all of those cards, but that almost every man on the unit wants one. Almost every man on the unit wants one. They're excited. They go and set up shop. You know, they got this little bitty office in there. And they're allowing the men to go into the office and pick whichever Mother's Day car that they would like. And then they're even giving them a stamp. You know what, guys? Man, man, y'all enjoy it. Everybody's happy. And so this company's feeling good about themselves. And then they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, church, Father's Day is around the corner. Amen. So if Mother's Day is big, how big do you think Father's Day is going to be, church? And so this time, you know what, they're not going to be caught off guard and they're ready. The same thing, you know what, they go and let the man know, guys, we're doing the same thing for Father's Day. All you have to do is just let the warden know and then you could come and take your pick. And to their amazement, guys, nobody asked for a Father's Day card. Amen? Nobody asked for a Father's Day card. You got one end of the spectrum. Men don't want to live for their family. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we got a whole population of men that want nothing to do with their father. How sad is that, church? Could that be why that there's so many men inside of those prisons? Can that be why? Maybe. You know what? That some years back, I went and heard this one man say that 85% of men in prison either grew up without a father or did not have a good example of a father. That if he was there, he wasn't much of one. And so I thought to myself, uh, you know what, man? That doesn't sound right. Come on, man. That's a lot of, that's a lot of men, 85%. 
And to uh, my amazement, guys, I've uh, been around a lot of guys, heard a lot of things. And in my opinion, I mean, that number's right on the money, unfortunately. And so I want to deal with first being the spiritual point man, church. Man, the spiritual point man. Steve Farrar writes a book, and it's called The Point Man. And so in it, he's saying how in Vietnam, whenever there was a platoon and that, whenever that they were out in the jungle, they would always pick one guy to go and be a scout. I guess you could say he was the point man. And so his job was to go and venture out into the bush, however far he went, you know, five yards, 10 yards, 15 yards, however. And so his job was to make sure that everything was good. He needs to make sure everything's clear. He needs to make sure that they could move or he better let his group of men know it's not safe. So all of their lives are held on this one man's a decision. He better make sure it's a good one, gentlemen, church, because that everybody's lives are at stake. And so as Steve Farrar goes on to say, men, that as a God-ordained leader of your house and of your family, not, you know, it's nothing that man said, it's what God said, amen that the man's the leader. He said that you're a spiritual point man, fathers for your family, because there's all kind of snares and there's all kind of wiles. There's all kind of booby traps, pitfalls in life. And you better make sure that you know where you're leading your family. Because one false move could cost your family a fatality. Amen. And so when we're speaking about leadership, church, you know, that we see that the world has a differing view than God's word does. You know what? A lot of times we go in and see what, what, a, what a this world looks at. You know what? That are they nice looking? That are, that are they attractive? That are they powerful? Are they wealthy? Do they have money? God's not like that. Praise God. First Samuel 16, 6 and 7 says that when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed, stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, it's all about the heart, amen? It's all about the heart. God's word says that David was a man after his what? After God's money? After eternal life? No, he was a man after God's own heart. And so it's always a hard issue, guys. It's always a hard issue. Proverbs 22, 6 says, I mean, I'm sure that y'all could almost quote it better than me. Train up a child in the way he should go and, and he will not depart from it. So now I have to ask us, church, how young is too young to begin to train in the things of God? How young is too young to begin to train in the things of God? Because if I were to go and ask you, how old would your children have to be for Satan to attack them? You know what? It doesn't matter the age because there's never a good time. But Satan doesn't discriminate, does he? He attacks our children before they're born, while they're born, and especially after they're born. So if I were to ask you, at what age should we start to train our children up, church? I would dare to say that by the, when we find that our wife is pregnant, when life begins, it's never too early to begin laying hands 
on the womb and began to prophesy, speak words of blessing, pray life, pray God's word, and speak God's promises upon that child. Amen. You see, man, because that our job is that we do need to train and that we do need to protect and that we do need to define who our family is in you. Church, that our family needs to know that why do we praise and worship God? Why do we pay tithes and offerings? Dad, why do you read the Bible? Why do you pray? Dad, that, you know that why don't you treat them like they treat you? Dad, are you, are you scared? Are you afraid? Why does it seem everybody walks all over you? And so there needs to be explanation, guys. And there needs to be growth, amen. Because that even in this secular world, you, I mean, you look at jobs, you go and look at trades, and there's a lot of jobs. You know, when you first start off a novice, you don't really know much. It says that you're an apprentice, and then it goes on to a journeyman, and then it goes on to master whatever. Man, that's how we need to be with our family. That's exactly how we need to be with our wives. That if we're the leader, then it's our job to train. It's our job to go and begin that in the little things. Just like God's word says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Guys, it's those little things. Man, it's those little things that whenever our, you know, a kid sees, Dad, can I? No, I'm tired. No, you know what? I had a bad day. And then there comes the wife, you know what, I just, I don't want to hear it. You know what, I'm frustrated, I'm mad right now. But you take it out on the wrong person. Because we're big and tough. And because we could do that, amen. Not saying it's right, I'm just saying that that's what happens. And so we need to be careful, church. As far as protecting church, you know what, we see what God's word says, Amen. Genesis 3, 17 through 19, to Adam, all because of Adam, amen. Because you listened to your wife, there you go, and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, through pain for toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and from dust you shall return. Guys, our family needs to know that we're going to do what it takes to provide and to protect them. Ephesians 6.12 is very plain and simple. We don't fight a physical war. We fight a spiritual war. Guys, men, fathers, we need to make sure that we're fighting a fight that we could win. Because if we're fighting our wife and if we're fighting our family, there is no winners. There's just losers. And it seems odd how that in the church nowadays, they say that the divorce rate is higher than out in the world. My old, my old pastor used to say to us, guys, when you say I do, you did. And then I didn't understand that. What does that mean that when I do that you did? And you know what he would say that? He said, guys, when you say I do, when you said I do, that means that you did. You know what? That that's it. Hey, guys, that it's your job. You know what? That you need to quit being a crybaby. You need to be a man. You need to take care of your business. And so we also have to go and protect our families, guys, 
They're from the spiritual aspects that of this world. Very, very quickly, our children need our undivided attention, fathers. They need to know that they're the apple of dad's eye. They need to know that why exactly that we wanted children. Because for one, that that's what God put in our hearts. And because that that's a part of God's heart. You know what I wanted kids? And I would always tell my wife, you know what? I'd rather have a loud house than a very quiet one. Because a loud one means that there's life. And how quickly I am, guys, to go in and forget that. Sometimes within one second, five seconds, or five minutes. And that's just being true. Amen? But that's exactly what I wanted. And that's exactly what God blessed me with. Guys, that if we don't take time out for our family and give them our undivided attention, someone or something else will. I said someone or something else will. Go and just get on some of these uh, social, social media sites. You can look at some of the police reports. People are out there. And they're after your children too. And it isn't for godly things. And they're not going to train them up in the ways of God, church. Man, that we need to be about our father's business. What about our wives? Amen. What about our wives? I remember that this one... Wise man once said, men, when you marry your wife, you better make sure you're marrying your best friend. Because when no one else is going to be by your side, she'll be there. And you better make sure you do her right. Because she'll always do you better. He said that you better make sure you do your wife right. Because she'll always do you better. And there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? March 18th of 07, church, I married my best friend. And so I made sure that she was my best friend. She's seen, seen a lot of good times, seen a lot of hard times, but we've always been together. And that's not going to change. Church, that if we don't know there's a real devil and there's a real, real worldly agenda against God-ordained marriage and God-ordained family. We have laws trying to bring down what God says makes a marriage, a man and a woman. And they want to pervert it. And they want to rebel against what God's word says. But God's word says, if God is for us, who could be against us? Guys, that we need to define who our family is in Christ. Amen. Who our family is in Christ. You know, that last year, we were at this a Christian concert, and so that Mark Hall, he was saying how, uh, he was saying that uh, he was having a little bit of throat, throat problems. And that he was starting to go and think about that, will I ever sing again? He's stinking. Man, that I'm a singer. You know what, that if I'm a singer, well, then I need my voice, God. That, how could I sing? How could I be a singer if I don't have my voice? And then God showed him. He said that you're not a singer. He said that you're a Christian who sings. He said that's who you are. And so that he began to say, you know what, that you're a Christian that teaches. 
You know what? That you're a Christian that drives, that you're a Christian that protects, or that you're a Christian that's an engineer. Don't allow this world to go and define who you are. Allow the eternal creator, the one who knows you from the inside out, from beginning to end, from end to the beginning, to say exactly who you are. First and foremost, that you're a Christian. You're a child of the Most High God. And nothing less. And nothing less. Church, that we need to make sure that we define that inside our family's lives. You know that this one man of God said that for the girls, that for your daughters, he said, fathers, girls get their dignity from their father. There's no pressure there, right, dads? He said, girls get their dignity from their father. The way you treat their mother and the way you treat them, you want to go in and treat them like trash, don't go and be surprised when they bring trash home. Don't go and be surprised when they bring around all of these good-for-nothings that plan on not working and just allowing her to run the house. Guys, it's happened. And if that is true, you know what, guys, that we need to treat her as the apple of our eye. And we need to treat her how to respect others so that she could respect herself. Amen. And for sons, Jesus Christ said it the best whenever he was 12 years old and whenever that he's in the temple. And so uh, here comes his mom and his dad basically saying, son, why did, you, why did you leave us that we were worried for three days? They didn't know where he was at. Jesus said basically that, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Souls, lives, and eternity's at stake. Men, what do we expect out of our sons? When do we begin to see them as a young man and start to treat them like one? When do we start to hand down the responsibility? When do we set goals so that they could mature and so they could grow in the things of God? You know what, guys? It's sad, but even in church, there's a lot of immature adults in church. Because when you start to hear about a lot of the complaints, a lot of it is just fleshly. That if we were just to read in the book of First and Second Corinthians, some of the things that shock us are still happening today. I'm not saying the church is bad. I'm just saying because that we're in this flesh that we really have to fight against it. But at the same time, God's word holds true that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what, church? Okay, well, y'all say he doesn't eat, but how many men are still eating and getting fat and they ain't working? Oh, well, that will never happen here at CT Church, right, guys? Nah, that will never happen. Fathers, that we have a tough job, but God has equipped us for it. Dr. James Dobson, guys, real, 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 real quickly, he was saying that whenever that he was 16, that his father was an evangelism, and he said, man, back then, he said, you know, man, they would book him for like years in advance, two, three years in advance, and he's all around the country. He started giving his mom problems. He said that he'll never forget, guys, that one day that his mom gets on the phone, doesn't say much more than, I need you. I need you now. And Dr. James Dobson says, you know what? That's all my mom needed to say, guys. There was no explanation. He said, I was, you know, I was 16, and I was just messing around, getting into things that I shouldn't have been. He said, nothing serious. He said, but it could have turned serious.
He said, I'll never know. But what he does remember, he said, is my dad stopped his whole agenda for me. He said, my dad put all of the revivals on hold just for me. He said that you have to understand, guys. He said, my dad was a very well-known man. He was a very sought-after man. He was known that in the part of the church that we were a part of. He gave his word. He was supposed to be there. He said that he turned his back on, his, on what he was supposed to do so that he could save me. He said that my dad saved me. He said for those next few years, he was right there with me. And then I got back on track. He said, but when he was ready to get back on the circuit again, he said it was never the same. He said by then there was other evangelists that people knew more about. And he said that my dad never fully recovered. He said, that's how much that he thought about me. Guys, men, fathers, how many of us would give it all up to make sure that we could save our family? How many of us would drop what we're doing that's so important to us that we would stop, put it on the back burner so that we could save the eternity of our family? Let that sink in, man. Church. Lastly, I want to go ahead and deal with our eternal perspective. Eternal perspective, you know, well, there's an eagle that's on the moon. And every 100 years, he flies down to the earth. And then he picks up one grain of sand, flies back to the moon, sits there. Another 100 years, he comes down to the earth, picks up one grain of sand, flies back. And the eagle does that for as long as it takes for all the grains of sand on the earth to be taken out. That's a long time, right, church? And if you were to ponder how long that would take, that is but the beginning of eternity. Church, let that sink in. That if it took that eagle however many years, waiting every hundred years just to fly down here to pick up one grain of sand, that is but the beginning of eternity. Fathers, what vision are we giving our family to follow after and to shoot for? Are we building this earthly kingdom that only lasts as long as we're alive here? Is that where we're investing all of our strength, all of our might, all of our heart, all of our mind? Is it in God or that in our agenda? Man, that what eternal perspective do we give our family to see? Because that God told Abraham that if you look to the sky and if you see the stars in the sky, that's as many descendants as you have. You see, he gave them a visual. Fathers, that what visual do we give our family? Is it the same one that's inside the sanctuary? Or do we change gears when we walk out of the sanctuary and we go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Whoever? Guys, you know, I mean... Hey, that's a common thing. I remember that I heard this one man of God said, why is it that when you're going to go to church, as soon as you get into the car with your wife, it's like ding, 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 ding. In this corner, 
says the fight begins. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, that you've been there. Fathers, that if we find ourselves here today finding ourselves lacking, that if we find ourselves falling short, then you're in the right place, amen? You're in the right place because the word of God says God sent his son to the earth not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen? God sent his son down to the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Fathers, we don't have to be perfect because that Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice. But what we do have to be is we have to be honest. We have to be real. Church, what would happen if we were to bring all of us before a living God right now? Amen, because it's going to be altar call, church. What do you think would happen today in CT, even live streaming, that if we were to come with our whole self before God, not how I am in the physical, but those parts of me that are weak, those parts of me that lack, those parts of my heart that scream out, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Those thoughts that if anybody in here could read our thoughts, they'd probably run out of the church. Oh, that if they were to know that I'm not as strong as they really think, you know what, that I am. Church, we need to quit fronting. We need to quit playing church. We need to take care of business and do business with God. God's here today. We already praise. We already worship. God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Jesus Christ came not to condemn us, but to save us. He did come so we could feel conviction, but not condemnation. And if I can have every head bowed and if I can every, um, amen, every eye closed, church, very, very quickly. You're in this place or that you're under the sound of my voice. If you've never asked God into your heart, if you never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, or if you're a backslider, maybe that, you know what, that you know that there's some things that they're just not right with God. You know what, that you know when you're right with God. I would like for you to go and lift your hands very, very quickly. I'm not going to go and, amen, tarry much longer. That if you're in this place, and if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, or if you're in this place, and if you know your heart's not right with God, I beg you, do not walk out of these doors. Who knows if we'll step into eternity, guys. Satan's not playing, and neither is God. Amen. And so if I could have you uh, go ahead and just repeat after me, church, a prayer, and just say, God, I believe you send Jesus Christ to die for my sins and not to condemn me, but to save me. I invite you into my heart, God, and I ask you to help me to live for me all the days of my life. Amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com. Connect with us on Facebook or call us at 210-657-3578.